We've been talking about Jonah and uh, his experience. You know the story God said, go to Nineveh. And Jonah said no and ran away. Went as far away as he could get. Um, The Lord sent a storm. And Jonah was thrown overboard. And God provided a fish. Um, Do you think that experience might have left some marks on Jonah? You think that might have changed him a little bit? This experience of, of running from God. I think one of our tendencies, at least mine, is to say that because Noah, Noah, Jonah ran from God, that God punished him. The storm was punishment, right? For running. Um, I think there's another word that's a better word, and it's called discipline. God provided discipline to Jonah. Because no father who loves his son would not provide discipline, right? So Jonah was doing something that was going to be very harmful and detrimental to him. And the loving father disciplined him by sending the storm. And Jonah found himself in the water going down. And God provided a great fish. A fish that saved him. Um, So what about you? When God told you to go do something and you said, No, I don't think so, God. Did he come for you? Did he rescue you? Of course the answer is yes, isn't it? Now it's interesting... This storm, we read last week in Jonah chapter 2 about Jonah's prayer. And we could see how he had a change of heart. I don't know if he had that change of heart while he was in the water or while he was in the fish. I don't really know. But do you know that Jonah could not have had a change of heart? God gave him the ability to continue to say no, didn't he? And, and you know people that do that. They continue to say no. And quite frankly, you know them real well because sometimes they're you. That you say no and say no and say no again. Um, I don't know where the point is. But there is a point when you say no and you say no and you say no that you've missed the opportunity to turn around. Maybe that's at your death. I don't know. But there is a point. Because there's a point of no return, God sends messengers, warning signs to us to let us know that these points are approaching. The storm was one for Jonah. It's a warning sign. Noah turned, he heard, he saw, he came back to God. God rescued him. Either God rescued him with the fish or God rescued him in the fish. But God rescued him, right? And we know that in the end of chapter 2 it says, And the fish vomited Noah back up on the beach. 
That's where we left last week. Noah's on the beach. Because God saved him. And God gave Jonah. How many times have I said Noah this morning? Every time, right? Sorry. Jonah is the guy in the fish. Noah was in a boat. I know these stories. God is a great, loving, and and merciful God. And he provided for Jonah as he provided for us. And Jonah finds himself up on the beach, um, even though he should not have survived. He was thrown overboard in a storm. He should have died. He did not die. Do you think maybe he was saved for a reason? Do you think maybe you were saved for a reason? Maybe that thing you went through that you should not have survived, normal people don't survive that, and you're still here? Do you think that's for a reason? Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. That, my friends, describes the loving kindness of our God. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, and Jonah said, I'm not doing that. But the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Jonah got a second chance. We know that he was marked, scarred, impacted by his first encounter with God, right? When he was thrown into the, oh, he had seaweed around his head, right? And he's praying to God. He's in the fish. So we know that it had a big impact on him. Now he's on the beach. And the word of the Lord came to him a second time and said, go to Nineveh. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. God gave Jonah a second chance. And Jonah said, okay, I'll go to Nineveh. Now you remember all about Nineveh. Nineveh is an evil place. It's the enemy. It's the wrong team. They're not friends of of, uh, Jonah and his tribe and his people. And I am sure that there had been lots of talk amongst the Hebrews about how the Ninevites needed to get what was coming to them. I'm sure there was some of that talk going on. And now Jonah is going to go tell him, it's coming. It's coming. Uh, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. And Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah is sent to give Nineveh a harsh, harsh warning. Forty days is what you have. Just like Jonah in the boat and God sent the storm, God is sending a messenger to Nineveh to warn them. To say turn. That's the way our God is. We can get the story and we have another alternative of how we read and interpret God. That God is saying, oh goody, here it comes. Your destruction, Nineveh. You deserve it and I'm bringing it. Jonah's coming and hell's coming with him. It's a movie quote, isn't it? Um... 
But just like Jonah, who God did not punish but discipline, he also had the same thing in mind for Nineveh. Now Nineveh had been warned before. This wasn't the first time. It's the capital of Assyria. And they had been warned. You can read through the Old Testament. And God had dealt with the Assyrians many times. And he was doing it again. Um, so Jonah made bad choices and screwed up his life. The Ninevites made bad choices and screwed up their life. You made bad choices and screwed up your life. Tony made bad choices and screwed up his life. Do you see a pattern here? Maybe these little wooden people that we know who were collecting boxes and balls were making bad decisions and screwing up their lives. See how that all works? There are consequences to what we do. So Jonah had this experience and now God says you go to Nineveh. And I want to ask you, do you think there's anybody who was more qualified, better prepared to go to Nineveh than Jonah? I read once that if it were possible for you to be in, if it were possible for a fish to be big enough to swallow you, And if it were possible for you to survive in the belly of a fish, when you came out of the belly of the fish, you'd be different than when you went in. Now, I used to fish a lot. And after fishing, I would wash my hands. And do you know what my hands smelled like after I washed my hands? Soapy fish. But still fish, right? It wears off. It doesn't wash off. Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days. I imagine when he got puked out on the beach, he smelled. I bet you could say, here comes Jonah. (laughs) So here this smelly guy is laying on the beach. Now they also tell me that if you were in a fish's stomach for three days, it would affect your skin. And you would have some kind of gray ash looking, unnatural, unlife-like skin. So let's just suppose that now Jonah's on the beach smelling of fish entrails and gray. So now here comes the old gray stinky man to Nineveh. This experience that Jonah had marked him. Let's say that you were married and that you committed adultery cheated on your spouse and let's say that your spouse divorced you for that you know what you look like an old gray stinky guy on the beach because it marks you Now it's so nice to stay over here and point to the person over there and call them the old gray stinky guy on the beach. But we've got to turn that back to me because I have done the same thing, not commit adultery, but I have committed the same thing. God said do this, I said no. That marked me. It left marks on me. Like it left marks on you. You are a different person because of that. Because of the consequence of your sin. 
Not different in a good way. Less. And then God comes. God who works all things together for good takes you in that broken position and redeems that and makes you better than you were before. Here's what I mean. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh. Jonah said, I'm not going to Nineveh. Jonah had his boat experience and his fish experience. And do you remember what we read last week about Jonah praying in, in chapter 2? Oh God, I'm yours. Right? I will keep my eyes on your temple. I'm not going to do that again. I am yours. God redeemed that bad choice and that bad situation and made Jonah better than he was before. Was it good for Jonah to tell God no? No, of course not. Of course not. That wasn't good. Did God use that for good? Yes, of course he did. And now Jonah's on his way to Nineveh, a man who is prepared to go talk to the Ninevites. Um, that's the same thing God has done in you and in me. He's taken my bad choices and my rebellion against him and he has redeemed that to use that to make me a man that has more compassion. And a man who understands what forgiveness is. And somebody who knows what mercy is. And someone who can say to somebody who's been through what I've been through that I know just what you're talking about. I've been there. And don't twist this up. It doesn't mean that God wants me to get a divorce so I can counsel divorcees. That's not the way it works. But if I did, then he wants me to be able to say, I know what you're going through. I was there. Me too. Uh, verse 4, chapter 3. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Remember, it's a three-day walk across Nineveh. So the first day, he's going in, 40 more days, 40 more days and you'll be overthrown. I can see some of the Ninevites saying, We've heard that before. And the stinky gray man says, let me tell you what just happened to me. Let me tell you, God sent me to you and I said no. And I ended up in the sea drowning and in the belly of a fish. Because God came to rescue me. And so, let me tell you, when God says 40 more days, he means 40 more days. And what was the result? The Ninevites believed God. These evil heathens listened to what Jonah, the stinky gray man, said and believed him, and they believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. All right, so what does this fast and sackcloth mean? It means that we take off our good clothes and we put on rags and we go over and we sit down in a pile of ashes by the burn pit. And we're putting these ashes on our head and we're calling out to God, Oh, God, save us. We were wrong. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne 
took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. The king took off his robes, left the palace, left the throne, put on rags, and went down and sat with the rest of the scum of Nineveh in the ash. And he made this proclamation. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When were the Ninevites saved? When was Jonah saved? We've already said Jonah was praying this from the belly of the fish. A lot of us think that Jonah was saved when he got spit up on the beach. It's over. Bad consequences are over. That's not when Jonah was saved. Jonah was saved while still in the belly of the fish. In pretty bad circumstances, don't you think? That's where Jonah was saved. And it is right here in the sackcloth and ashes that the Ninevites are saved. The circumstances hadn't changed. God is still saying 40 days. But these people repented. They had a change of heart. So, you made bad choices. You messed up your life. You are not saved because your life gets back in order. That's not the point of salvation. The point of salvation is when you confess to God, I did that. And you repent. That's when you're saved. I was talking about divorce earlier. Not treating that special. It's just something to talk about. You can be saved after you committed adultery. Does that mean you're going to get your family back? Not necessarily, does it? Let's say you're an alcoholic and you drank too much and you got fired from your job. And because you got fired from your job, they foreclosed and took your house and your car. And now you're living in a van down by the river. And you have nothing. And you turn to God from that spot and say, oh, Father, forgive me, I was wrong. When are you saved? Right there at the river. Do you have a job? Do you have a home? Do you have a car? Nope. Those things are not salvation. Salvation comes from God when you are changed from the inside out. So there they were sitting in this sackcloth and ashes, repentant and humble. And who knows, maybe God will turn and we won't perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. And did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Did the Ninevites deserve the destruction that God had, had foretold for them? What are the wages of sin? Death. 
Did they deserve it? See, when God says, you sinned and therefore judgment and death comes to you. The scripture is full of that, right? Start to finish. When you sin, you will fall under judgment and be cast to hell. So every one of us who has committed a sin, that's what we deserve. But there's another story all through scripture, isn't it? The other story is that God is the God of second chances. We don't get what we deserve from God. Hallelujah. It always makes me laugh when, when people are complaining and saying, this wasn't fair, I didn't get what I deserve. I've read scripture enough to know I never want what I deserve. I'll always take God's grace and mercy. I don't need this to be fair. Jonah didn't want fair, did he? The Ninevites didn't want fair. They wanted mercy and compassion. And because they repented, because they repented, they received it. Just like Jonah, who could have, could have said, no God, I'm still running from you. And he could have ran all the way to the bottom of the ocean. Where he would have died and perished. The Ninevites could have said, heck with you God, it's working for me, I'll keep doing this. And what would they have received? The destruction that God promised. But Jonah went, gave this news, the smelly gray man. And they listened to him. I believe they listened to him because he was able to say to them, Me too. You evil Ninevites? Yeah, I'm the, I'm the evil Hebrew that ran from God. And he rescued me and gave me a second chance. That's the same thing he did with the Ninevites. They fasted, they humbled themselves, and they believed the message. You smell that? Jonah walking through the city? That's the man who brought the message. Look at that guy. He's been marked, hadn't he? He's different. There's something strange about that guy. That's you. You're that guy. You're different. God has redeemed you from your choices and the choices of those around you. Don't forget the sailors. They went through the same storm, right? They weren't disobedient to God, but the storm came to them too. God is preparing us. He's using those things to prepare us. To make us be the messengers that he would have us be. And I think that we do a disservice to God when we act like we've never been thrown overboard and swallowed by a fish. When we get all snooty and self-righteous and say, thank God I'm not like those people over there in the, in the ashes. We would never do that, right? I don't know if you ever listened to Christian radio and sermons. Do you ever find people being very real on those things? What I, and I don't mean to be judgmental. 
I just am. What I hear is a lot of theology and self-righteous talk about how you should be different than you are. And quite frankly, it doesn't help me a bit. Right? So, I'm struggling with some sin and somebody quotes me the theology of why I shouldn't commit that sin. Thank you very much for that information. Now, is there anybody out there who could help me? Isn't that what people are looking for? And can you imagine that you might know what someone else is going through and you might have a story to tell them about how God delivered you from that but you won't do that because it might be embarrassing or somehow lower your standing by admitting that you too told God no and went off and ran to Joppa, ran to Tarshish. Why in the world would we not let God redeem those mistakes we've made? And let him use that through me so that I can relate to you or someone else who might be going through the same thing. Have you ever made mistakes? You ever had to live in the consequences of those? Or have you ever been around other people who made mistakes and you're living in the consequences of their mistakes? That's our shared experience, right? It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, you might be Jonah or you might be the sailor, but you're in the same storm. And do you know God saved both of them? Jonah and the sailor? Because God was in the storm too? God wasn't some far off place that Jonah had to run back to him. Matter of fact, God provided three days of chauffeured transportation to get Jonah back to where he needed to be. Through a fish. He'll do the same for you. Brad has said that when we have turned and walked away from God, we don't have to turn and run back to God. All we have to do is turn. God is there. There's no searching for God. He's there. He didn't leave us. And so, I encourage you to have a better memory about your experience and about what you've been through. Because God brought you through those things to mold you into the kind of servant that he needs in his kingdom. So there's a, a woman whose uh, son drowned in a pool when he was five. And of course, like all of us, she was immediately taken out with grief and pain the death of her child. And you know what she did next? She started a grief ministry for parents who've lost children. And for 20-some years, she's led a grief ministry, ministering to people who have lost their children. So praise God, her son died. Now she could minister. No, of course not. That's ridiculous. Praise God that he redeemed that situation. And the death of her son prepared her to minister to countless others who've experienced the same thing. She can offer hope and, and uh, mercy and comfort and strength. Because she can say... Me too. I know, just what you're, I know just what you're going through. Me too. And so by doing this, she honors the death of her son. And she honors the love she has for her son by using that to serve God. And that's just one example. What about you? You don't have to set up some kind of official ministry to have a ministry, do you? You know people that are hurting? 
You know people who maybe are addicted to things? And maybe you say, hey, I know what that's about. I've been addicted to things myself. Or maybe do you know somebody who's divorced? And you say, hey, I, I know the pain of that. I've been through that myself. Or maybe you know somebody who overeats to find happiness. And you say, hey, I, believe me, I know what you're going through. Let me, let me show you the way through this. Or somebody who's lost a job or lost a spouse or lost a child. Or somebody who habitually does the same thing. And you say, hey, I can relate to that. I know. I had a rough patch <clears throat> back in the 90s. Um, I ran over my daughter. In a big delivery truck with dual wheels. Went right up her legs and right on her back. <laughs> oh. And then a man who was like my brother was murdered. And then <clears throat> I lost a business. Financial failure and ruin. And then my wife got some staph infection and almost died. And then with all of that stress, we couldn't hardly stand each other. Woohoo! Praise God! No, woohoo! Praise God! He delivered me through all of that. He taught me what it means to have forgiveness, to compassion, to be strong, to be merciful. Is that easy? <laughs> no. Not easy, was it? That's my story. What's yours? You've got the same, right? Remember that time? And you didn't think you were going to make it? And God was right there and rescued through that? He prepared you for something. He redeemed a terrible situation and made you a better person for it so that you can minister to people who are suffering. Because that's our experience. People are suffering. Right? So I don't like to be fake. You know? And I don't like to pretend. I want to be real. Don't you? Don't you think Jonah was real, the stinky gray man as he walked through Nineveh saying, Repent. 40 more days. Me too, I understand. Me too, I understand. Now, I haven't been through everything that you've been through, so I don't pretend to know where you're at and what you feel like. But I'll bet somebody does. And I know God does. And I know that you are not alone in that storm. That God is right there with you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. You're not alone in that. He is there to redeem you and to redeem that bad situation. To make something good out of that bad. Isn't that what you want? None of us want the bad thing to happen. But it did. Or it will. And are you either going to live in bitterness with the consequences of your sin or someone else's? Or are you going to live with forgiveness in life and the consequences of your sin or the consequences of someone else's? That's your choice. So, you 
maybe this morning or maybe in your life, you're at a point where God is offering you a second chance. What's the second chance? And will you take it? Or will you continue to run after things that do not give life? See, Jonah was running to the bottom of the ocean. Was not going to find life there, was he? But he turned and God rescued him. And, and you might be saying, you know, Tony, I understand second chances. But you don't know what I did. You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know. What I did was too bad. I am disqualified from a second chance. And you know what I want to tell you? You're wrong. That's not true. What you did was not too bad to disqualify you from a second chance. God is there for you. He will rescue you and save you from that. God is willing to use all things. All things. But he will work them together for good. He will provide. He will redeem that situation. Yeah, Tony, but you don't know how bad it was. And you don't know how long I've been doing it. And you don't know how ruined I am. I don't. But what if God wants to take you from that state of ruin and redeem you and make you a holy, righteous thing to be used by his kingdom? What if he wants to say, look, look how broken this person was and look what they've become through life in Jesus Christ. God doesn't want to waste that despair and ruin. Why would you? Why let that be what takes you out and ends it? And you just say, finally, no, God, I'm done. I'm out. God is the God of second chances, and he wants to redeem that and redeem you. And another what if. What if God rescued you for a reason? What if you're here today, if you are who you are because God said, no, I, I've got special plans for this one. Will you run from or run towards God? God could be using what you've been through to prepare you to rescue others. So uh, maybe you're Jonah. And God has redeemed you from the sea and from the fish to use you to rescue others. And maybe you're Nineveh and you screwed up your life big time. And God is saying, tick tock, tick tock. It's coming. It's coming. And, and maybe you say, you know, I, I turned from that. I was rescued. I was like Jonah and I ran and I came back to God and the word of the Lord came to me a second time and instead of going to Nineveh, I ran again. Um, God is still sending you a message. Will you hear it? Come back to me. God loves you. Pay attention. Listen, do you have ears to hear God's calling? Repent. Maybe you've tried and maybe you just keep running the wrong direction. Let me tell you, 
If you continue to run from God, you will lose. You will lose. Maybe you'll lose your marriage again. Maybe you'll lose your family again. Maybe you'll lose your job again. Maybe you'll end up in jail again. At some point, it's time to stop running from God and run to Him. God loves you and He has a better way. Will it be easy? What difference does that make if it's easy or not? Is that even an option? Easy? You know, you get, to, you get to choose whether you will follow God or not. You do not get to choose the consequences of your decision. There's three roads ahead, right? You can go left, down the middle, or to the right. You don't get to choose what happens after you choose the road. Okay? So you don't get to choose easy. I just want everything to be the way it was. Well, that and $5 will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. You can want all you want. It's not the point. That's not salvation either, by the way. Right? The person in jail is still in jail after they accept Jesus Christ. The person who lost their family still lost their family after they accept Jesus Christ. The person who lost their job still lost their job after they accept Jesus Christ. God is not saying that he will rescue you from your circumstances. But he might. But he might. You can say, I've run too long, I'm disqualified. But you're wrong. You're not disqualified. God will forgive you. Because of the great love he has for you. Doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is what Jesus has done. And what Jesus did was to pay the price. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus paid the price of my sin. It had to be paid. Jesus paid it. So I've been set free. I've been redeemed. So have you. If you accept the great love of Jesus Christ. So where are you at today? Of course you're all in church and of course you're listening to me and you're all here so I know you all believe Jesus. I'm not talking about necessarily your salvation although that is at hand, your eternal security. I am talking about your life here on on earth and your freedom and the gloriousness of holiness that you can experience. That's what's at stake. You can continue to live in the pit in the belly of the whale. You can continue to ride along in the storm. Or turn. It's for you to decide. No one else can. God is saying, please, please come. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. But he won't make any of you. Ever. It's always free will and choice to follow God. So what's your choice today? And continue to run after things that don't give life? You're going to drop those things and turn to God. Find real life, real freedom.
That's what's available to you. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for the price you've paid to rescue us, to redeem us. Out of the storm you saved us, out of the belly of the fish, out of the sackcloth and ashes. And Father, we have nowhere else to turn, and we're not looking for any place else to turn. We choose you. And Jesus, even though many times I have told you no, and many times I have gone my own way, your salvation is greater than all of those. And I am not disqualified from the kingdom. So we repent, we confess our sins, we turn to you, Jesus. To you, Father, for rescue. And we thank you for the grace and mercy. Now for each one of us who has tasted that grace and mercy, and we have our stories to tell and our experiences to share, give us boldness and courage. We would have the strength to do what needs to be done, to go to Nineveh, to walk through the town, to say the the hard message with love, to speak the truth with grace. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see that the Holy Spirit would lead us into the things he would have us do for the kingdom. Don't let us waste these things. Use us as you have prepared us. These righteous things you prepared in advance for us to do, Father. Glorify yourself through them. Use us as a means to rescue others through the name of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.